Thank you for listening to episode 201 of the 200 Churches podcast. I just don't know of anybody, Jeff, that really carries their point or advances their agenda by antagonizing other people. So I think it's incumbent on us, and small church pastors actually have the best platform. Uh, they're, they're uniquely equipped to avoid antagonisms and to encourage dialogue. You know, a guy's pastoring a church of 500 or 1,000, there's not much chance for dialogue. But a small church pastor can actually turn the tables and say, these 80 people that I'm with today, or these 150 even, I can open up and ask them to use their imagination and with guided questions, invite them to respond on the spot. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry. The Fred and Barney of Ministry Podcast, Jeff and Johnny. Thanks for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Johnny Craig, and as always, I'm here with the man across the table. I am the man across the table, Johnny. Yeah, Jeff, Katie, good to be here with you. Uh, we have a great episode today. Oh my I'm goodness. very excited about sharing it. We are coming off of our episode 200 uh, that we did with N.T. Wright. And yeah, as, no big deal. As I told, <laughs> I think I mentioned it last week. I don't, I don't remember, but I did not listen to our recording with him for four weeks. Sure. Until after we then recorded it. you came back it. to it. I came back to it and I edited it. And as I was editing it, the night we're going to release it, <laughs> I, I was just, I was so thrilled with yeah. the encouragement that he was giving. We've heard from so many of you saying that this has been uh, one of the most encouraging and affirming things you've ever heard yeah. as a small church pastor. So yeah. I would just say, if you did not share episode 200, share episode 200 with yeah. other pastors. Absolutely. I mean, this is too good not to share. Yeah, for I sure. Mean, he's good news. It's NT right. For small church Hello. pastors. Yeah. Uh so today we've got a guy named Ray, Ray Hollenbach. Hollenbach. He's back. Yeah, Ray was episode 195. Yeah, he's back. Studentsofjesus.com. Yeah. is where Ray is from. He's in Kentucky and uh if you want to listen to the intro at episode 195, you could do that. Uh we're not going to go down. I mean, he this is a nice thing about the 200 Churches podcast. He's just a guy. Yeah. Right? He's a guy in Kentucky. Yeah, he was a small church pastor for a lot of years. And now he coaches pastors. Yeah. He consults. Uh, he teaches college students. Yeah. He disciples. He ministers in his church. Yes. And he takes the time to talk with us and to encourage us, help us encourage small church pastors. Yeah. Today we're talking with him about the kingdom of God, and uh, he just has a lot of great stuff to say on this podcast, and he makes it really, I feel like, applicable to small church pastors. Um, and it was challenging for me, and you'll hear some of that come out, I'm sure, in it, um, but it was uh, it was a really great time. So thank you to Ray Hollenbach, and uh, we know that you're going to enjoy this episode. Ray Hollenbach, it's so good to have you. After five episodes of not having you, you're back on episode 201. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Johnny. And it's so good to hear your voices. And uh, yeah, five episodes is long enough. You know, I think I ought to be a recurring guest. <laughs> Feels like it's been forever. Hollenbach <laughs> is Holland back, baby. Holland <laughs> back. He ain't no Holland back, girl. Stop. Oh, my. I could go all day. 
man, I'm going to have to edit that part <laughs> out pretty bad. Pretty well, bad. Gwen Stefani, come on. Yeah, I mean, you know, who gets Gwen Stefani on a church broadcast? I'm you saying, guys. That's us. That's the, that's what the 200 churches is all about right there. Like sports talk, Johnny. I'm like, <laughs> you don't even know who Gwen I don't Stefani even is. Know. I've heard the name, but that's as far as it Are goes. You- are you kidding me? Uh, Ray, I know you're a man of the world, and so you understand these things. Hey, Ray, check it out. I'm a I man have, of the word. I have so. no doubt that he doesn't know who Gwen Stefani is. hey <laughs> Oh, my. Two for one. <laughs> hey, Ray, do you like that? I just made that up. You're a man of the world, and I'm a man of the word. That's horrible. Did you make that up just I now? I did. I just made it up. To, I mean, maybe somebody else has thought of it, because it is pretty well, clever. <laughs> well, you you win, and I defer to your holiness. Oh, my goodness. So, Ray, we're, we are going to talk today about the kingdom of God. Yes, we are. And you were saying that this is a, this is a theme, uh, a, a, a focus in Scripture that is really important to you, and you feel like it should be important to small church pastors. And if there's anything that Johnny and I have been talking about for the last number of years, yeah. it has been the gospel of the kingdom. Yes. And the kingdom of God versus a narrow view of faith. So, uh, what do you th- what do you mean when when somebody says the ki- when you say the kingdom of God? What do you mean? Yeah, well, thanks because it's a pretty broad topic, and and let me just say it it rocked my world. I I think I was a, a believer for five or six years before I ever heard the gospel of the kingdom of God. Yeah, uh, because my introduction to faith which I'm sure Jesus totally honored, was an appeal that Mm. I had a sin problem and that Jesus had paid the price for my sin and that uh, by uh, grace through faith, I I could have my sins washed away, which is 100% true and totally cool. But what no one had ever told me was that Jesus was the king and Mm. that his message, the, the actual good news, uh, was better than than I had been led to believe that the good news was that the king uh, is coming to reign on earth and that that reign can start through me and my family and my church and my community. So that's kind of what I mean by it. So uh, last time we talked, Ray, I remember saying that you you remind me a lot of Brian Zond in story and in gravitas. And I appreciated that you knew who I was talking about when I said that. Yeah, BZ. Um, BZ, exactly. You know, and he talks about in his faith journey, and we should really have him on to talk about this as soon as we can, but he talks about how um, I think a very similar realization of the kingdom of God versus um, what Scott McKnight might refer to as the gospel of soteriology or, you know, the, Hmm. you know, salvific, whatever you want to talk about, revolutionized his preaching, his teaching. And and what his church was all about is did it have yeah. that kind of impact on you and your ministry? Absolutely, big time. Uh, I wasn't quite a pastor yet, but it rocked my world in exactly the same way. Uh, and you know, I can't hang with Scott McKnight or those big words that you just used. So I, <laughs> so so I call the the first part the gospel of go to heaven when you die. There you go. Um, then the other one is that there's a king and that uh, that his kingdom is breaking into this world. The best way that I know to explain it in short, and the reason that it rocked my world, is that Jesus actually teaches us to pray like this. He says, we should pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when we do that group prayer, 
we always take a breath after let your kingdom come. And then our brain checks out for a while. And then we come back to let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it's grammatically, it's all one sentence. So what is the kingdom? The kingdom is when Jesus, the king, when his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And so many churches, uh, they stop with salvation. Then you're saying mm-hmm. they, they, they cut it short there. And there's a greater message and a greater experience to have than just to know that you're going to heaven when you die in 2062 or whenever <laughs> that's going to be. And how, so when, as, when you were a pastor, how did you, how did this uh, infiltrate your preaching? Did you have like kingdom centered preaching uh, or was it not quite that strong? Well, I tried. I guess you'd have to ask the, you know, the, the poor souls that listened to yeah, it week in, yeah. week out. <laughs> But um, yeah, I you know I sure did try to infuse the kingdom of God with everything that uh, that I talked about, and you know preaching is if you're fortunate enough to stay at a church, it's like a ten year conversation. So you're not trying to do too much in one week, uh, but the the weight of what you're saying over time begins to sink in, and you also if you stay there long enough, you're hearing back and witnessing the lives of people. And so the question that I would always put forward week by week with people that I knew by name because the church was small enough that I knew these people, the question that I put forward was, is if Jesus lived my life as an insurance adjuster, or if Jesus lived my life as a mother of three children, uh, you know, fill in whatever blank you want. If Jesus lived my life as a college student, what would that life look like? Uh, so that trying to make it as practical as I could, that the possibility that Jesus lived the perfect exemplary life, but what would his life look like expressed in my situation? I think a lot of times there's a misconception or maybe a correct conception. I don't know that the, at the church, we deal with spiritual things and that's what we're about and that's who we are. Um, and so you come to church and fill your spiritual tank, and then you got to go live your real life, and hopefully the spiritual fill-up will last you through the week. And what you're saying, I think, is that there's going to be some pretty serious ramifications on your social life, on your on your social reality, on your physical life, on your physical reality, on the actual way that you live. What I mean, what was did you do? You ever receive pushback on that? I mean, what talk a little bit about that. I did receive pushback, and, and I think you've put your, your, your finger on it, Johnny, uh, and that is that if we don't have an expectation that living a Christ-like life is even possible, then why would we ask a silly question like, what does the life of Jesus look like expressed in my situation? So the first pushback that I would get was, uh, well, you know, cut me some slack. I'm just a sinner. That's what I do, and I'm not Jesus. And um, that was the first level of pushback. What I would do to try to get around that pushback is to just simply ask a question like this. I, I would ask people, what if you woke up tomorrow morning and you found out that heaven had actually come to earth? What would your world look like? So instead mm-hmm. of trying to put the weight on an individual, I'd say, you know, you wake up and, you know, you still are a factory worker or you wake up and you're still a school teacher. But heaven has come to earth. You know, what would your world look like? And that, that helped take the pressure off of performance on people. 
but it did help them to maybe reinterpret what their the world around them could look like. That's a crazy qu- question, right? I've never heard that question before. That Boy, that really makes you think. Well, because the first thought would be, well, my world wouldn't look anything like it. I mean, I wouldn't have to work anymore. You know, everything would, you know, food would fall out of the sky into our mouths and on all that stuff. And yep. I think that that then also would betray the fact that maybe we don't think about heaven in the right way. We don't yeah. think about heaven the way Jesus described heaven. When we might separate the kingdom uh, down here on earth, in quotes, from heaven up there mm-hmm. in the celestials somewhere. And it really forces us then, it, you know, it goes back to doctrine. And do we understand uh, some of these teachings? And, and how do we separate them from the uh, from the folk theology and the stories and the anecdotes and the, you know, I was in heaven for 30 minutes type books. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, so that's, that's a really, that's a really good question. I'm going to be thinking about that question because if I woke up and the kingdom had come to earth, would I still be working with Johnny or <laughs> would I have a better, would I have a better version? You know, I mean, that'd be my uh, question. I might be in the other place. You better watch yeah. out. <laughs> well, you know, Jeff, uh, I, I would set some parameters to try to nudge people to answer the question in the right way. So I'd, I'd tell them, okay, so you're going to play the game if I woke up and I found that heaven had come to earth. Yeah. I'd say the rules are really simple. Uh, you are still you, and everyday life still goes on. So if you're a student, you're still a student, and if you have a job, you still go to work. But how exactly would the world around you change? And uh, I actually spent some time and collected like some of the answers that people would give. Uh, it's it's a really good question in a small group setting, or even if somebody's preaching style is at all interactive. Uh, and like a, a couple of samples, like from my files, uh, one person answered, if I woke up and, and, and heaven had come to earth, then God would be everywhere and God would give advice and God would spend the day with you and make sure that everyone was fed and most importantly, share his wisdom with us all. And then if somebody answers a question like that, you go, well, don't you think God wants to do that right now? Yeah. Another answer that that a student gave me once was, uh, "No one would be lonely or without a companion." Wow! Wow. Um, uh, some somebody else uh, said that famine would be completely erased, sadness would be no more, and not one tear would be shed. So what it did was it took the focus off of them and it put the focus on the presence of God in everyday life. So how do you then pivot, and maybe you don't, and Jeff can take this out, but how do you then pivot to saying, yeah, nobody would be lonely anymore. Yeah, people would be fed. You got it. We're the hands and feet of of Christ. There you go. And And heaven has come down, right? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, in in the the person of Christ. Um, So now what? How do you, you know, how do you get the pivot? How do you pivot? The first thing is, is that I learned that I had to uh, throw away nearly all of the religious language that I had learned to speak, you know, Christianese. I, I had to throw that away pretty fast and then say, you know, okay, so if no one would be lonely anymore, how does that get accomplished? And yeah. to, to start to say, okay, what does that look like in practical terms? And uh, eventually, 
if if we prompt with the right questions rather than trying to tell people, the light comes on. Well, wait a minute. Maybe loneliness is a result of me not visiting somebody. Hmm. Uh, so uh, you know, it's a little bit like you're you're trying to leave the breadcrumbs with the question, yeah. and then you keep on asking in relentlessly practical ways, uh, so that you're you're steering them away from those really Sunday school rehearsed answers. And and if they still had trouble getting it, and occasionally they did, then I, I would finally say, well, you know, if if you woke up and heaven came to earth, how would you partner with what God was doing yeah. on the earth? Yeah. And in doing that, what I would do is say, okay, you don't have to be God, but how could you join him in the stuff that you were doing? So, Ray, you're literally going from, okay, you're saved now. You've prayed this prayer. You've accepted Jesus as your Savior. Now, and then you're going to, okay, how is your life different now? You know, what is the purpose of your life now as a believer? Your question just really takes a person way down the road in thinking, what are the ramifications of my decision to follow Jesus Christ? Yeah, and purpose. That you use the word purpose in your question, Jeff, and that's it. To be able to say, okay, uh, why has God been so good to me? And yes, He loves me, and yes, He's forgiving. But maybe it's an invitation uh, to become part of something larger than myself. Uh, and you know, that's that's a bit of a time-worn phrase now. Something larger than ourselves, because yeah. there's really there's really only one thing. Uh, that is eternally larger than ourselves, and and that is this kingdom that's never going to end. You know, eventually you can, I think, pastorally, reintroduce people to the gospel of the kingdom of God, because the New Testament is filled with that language. So my methodology was try to ask arresting questions, try to leave the breadcrumbs, and then eventually open up the New Testament and begin to explore like the nearly 150 times that the phrase kingdom of God appears to try to help people see that that's not some future event, but that that is at least partially a present reality. Absolutely. As you've been speaking, Ray, um, I'm noticing in you a gentle spirit. Gentle. Jeff, I feel like you just made me read like 15 verses about gentleness. Maybe Ray, I, I struggle with gentleness. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, and uh, how how do how do you become gentle? Uh, is that just your natural disposition? Um, because I tend, you know, and I think a lot of pastors. Hopefully, this can be a teaching moment for not just me, but I think a lot of pastors feel a sense of frustration with people who don't quote unquote get it or aren't moving fast enough or whatever yeah. it may be where, yeah. you know, walk me through just, um, your gentle posture and, and really your Christ-like posture, I think. And we, you know, you described asking questions. You know, I think Jesus did that. And just mm-hmm. all of that, is that in your nature? Is this, is this something that you've clothed yourself with as you've grown and matured as a minister? Um, well, first of all, thank you for those really kind words. And and if there's any answer, it's the it's on the second side of that equation, because I'm still trying to clothe myself in these things. Hmm. Um, I I heard Leonard Sweet say something once 
that just rocked my world. He said that most preaching and most education comes from the big jug, little cup school of learning. And that is that whoever is speaking, they've got the big jug that's filled with all the good stuff. And they're just going to pour it out. And everybody else runs up with their little cup and tries to capture just a few drops of whatever's being poured out. And it was a vivid image for me because it it showed that most teaching methodology and, and the pulpit is is a teaching mechanism, but that most teaching methodology is I'm the guy who's telling you how it is, and if you get it, fine, and if you don't get it, it's not my fault. And when preaching is one directional like that, then you think I'm the authority, I'm the big jug, and everybody else listening, first of all, they have very little capacity. They have a little cup. So, like uh, a little communion, I, like you're talking like communion oh, cup or like Dixie cup. Cups. Well, I was thinking Dixie cup, but yeah, you could just, those tiny little plastic things. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah. And 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 so I heard him say that I don't know, like 15 years ago, and it rocked my world because uh, I, I began to realize that if preaching or leading a small group or discipling people one on one was going to be any good, it had to be, the flow had to be both ways. Uh, so you, you're talking about clothing one's self with gentleness, and that's actually language right out of Colossians, I think, chapter 3. Uh, and um, the, the truth is, is that we're, we're all fellow travelers, and we all are worshiping the same Lord. And yeah, it may be true that somebody uh, has less experience with Jesus than I do, but that doesn't mean that the Spirit of God isn't resident within them. And so as a teacher, if, if I don't make a way for the, the, the bit of the Holy Spirit that's in them to impact me, I'm not opening up the right channels. And then finally, the, the pragmatist in me just began to discover that it was a lot better way to teach, to enter into dialogue, than to simply preach, because our model of preaching was always one-directional. I am God's representative, and I'm going to tell you how it is. Well, I, you know, that, that doesn't work in the business world. It doesn't work in a family or a marriage or raising children. Uh, and I wondered why we should think it would work in church. Well, because that's the way we've always done it, Ray. I mean, yeah. you know, it's the one time that everybody will just be quiet and, <laughs> and listen and well mostly anyway great yeah. those are great that's a great uh a great word you know johnny talked about gentleness and i think that in our in the current climate you know of our society mm -hmm. there isn't that gentleness and and we need more of that and mm -hmm. also in the current climate of our society sometimes i think as pastors and as believers we wonder how does our faith inform uh, our world and how we interact with it. And the question you had earlier is, I think, so so simple and, uh, and what's the word, a stealthily helpful in answering that wondering about, you know, how does our faith inform how we interact with our society when you said, you know, if the kingdom of God has come, and in heaven came down, what would that look like? We could look at everything that has been promised over the last year and a half, you know, that would change in our country. And we could just apply really that question to everything. Well, would we have this? Would we have that? Would this mm -hmm. be true? Would that be true? And, you know, if heaven had come down, 
Well, that's a that's a pretty good uh, yardstick by which to measure whether or not those things would be true in our world, uh, and mm-hmm. it's uh, also somewhat of a, a it's a less antagonistic way uh, to measure it as well. I think. Yeah, I just don't know of anybody, Jeff, that really carries their point or advances their agenda by antagonizing other people. So I think it's incumbent on us and small church pastors actually have the best platform. Uh, they're, they're uniquely equipped to avoid antagonisms and to encourage dialogue. You know, a guy's pastor in a church of 500 or 1,000, there's not much chance for dialogue. But a small church pastor uh, can actually turn the tables and say, these 80 people that I'm with today, or these 150 even, I can open up and ask them to use their imagination and with guided questions— that are a little bit surreptitious, but with guided questions, uh, invite them to respond on the spot. How much did Jeff pay you to say those things to me, Ray? Well, I'm going to wait until the check clears. (laughs) And then I'll tell you how much it was. The card was denied. (laughs) Denied. That's funny. Ray, what's, what's at stake here? If I don't, if I don't bring the kingdom of God into my preaching and teaching and small group opportunities. And if I don't bring the kingdom of God to bear on those conversations that we have with people when they're at their lowest, uh, when there's a death in the family or there's a a marital crisis or a a family member who's gone off the rails, what's Mm -hmm. at stake if I don't, or maybe in a positive sense, what do I get if I do bring the kingdom of God to bear on those yeah. conversations. Yeah, maybe we'll start with the positive, uh, but, but the stakes are high. So on the cautionary side, uh, the stakes are high, and we're, we're sociologically we're seeing that, uh, that uh, a gospel of go to heaven when you die uh, has created a Christianity that's a mile wide and an inch deep, uh, that, that uh, Christians, by and large, do not find uh, the words of Jesus either practical or impacting their life. So I said I was going to start with the positive, then I went right to the <laughs> um, uh, uh, on the on the positive side. Just look at the way the Apostle Paul defines the kingdom. He's he's talking in Romans fourteen. He's having a long discussion about uh, certain rules that people thought you had to follow, and right in the middle of it, he says, "But the kingdom of God isn't about rules about what you should eat or drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit." And so what's at stake is that people can gain right relationships, they can gain peace, and they can gain joy, and they can gain a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit by welcoming the dynamics of the kingdom into their life. So you just take, that's, that's just one biblical definition, it's a really good one. And notice, by the way, how much of it is actually subjective. I mean, two thirds of righteousness, peace, and joy Uh, are emotional. Hmm. So, yeah, are you facing prolonged illness uh, uh, yourself or of a loved one? Uh, Or is is your marriage not characterized by peace and joy? Uh, Wouldn't wouldn't you like to gain that? Um, And then righteousness, again, people have preached about righteousness and broken down the Greek words and done all of that. Um, But a a simpler translation is to say, who wouldn't want to, their life to be characterized by right relationships. Um, 
And then when the Apostle Paul puts it forward, he says, and it's all wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. So there's your pathway. Yeah. I love it when our guests bring Scripture to bear on the conversation, right? That's always helpful. Well, you know, it's the Word of Life. uh, And again, uh, pastors, especially small church pastors, here's that task that we've been entrusted with, whether we're bivocational, whether we're full-time or not, is to break open that Word of Life and make it accessible. Part of the great privilege of partnering with Jesus is just simply to meditate on his words and then find ways to connect his words with people. And uh, when that happens, when you get to see the lights come on, that's plenty reward enough to see people realizing that a practical relationship with Jesus is actually possible right here and right now. And even if the kingdom is not here completely yet, we have the opportunity to introduce people to the kingdom of God in the ways that you've described so far in this podcast. Now, very quickly, Ray, and I don't, I don't want us to get into this because I don't want this to be uh, a whole hour-long podcast like some of ours are. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> a little too long, but because I want to bring you back to talk about this, but just, just give us a, little, a sneak peek. How does this affect discipleship in the local church? How does this affect the pastor's view of discipleship in a smaller church? Well, the way that preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God connects with discipleship is is simply to say that life with God is a learned behavior, and that the methodology for learning that behavior is to do life together. That's what we call discipleship. The connection is, is to open up people's eyes uh, and hearts to the possibility of the life of God uh, invading their current life, and then say, come walk with me, and let's discover it together. So the connection is discipleship is the road to the kingdom. Ray, there's, uh, there's a lot more we could talk about, but we're going we're gonna to land the plane now, and we're going to keep people uh, wanting more. That's right. Now, wanting Ray, where, where could they get more if they wanted to get a hold of you? <laughs> Should I give my phone number? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. You're in ministry. Wait, oh, what by, you're up to? By, by the way, by the way, Ray, let's give all the pastors listening the permission to use those questions you shared earlier in their message this weekend if they want oh, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and even to like take the answer seriously and and write them down. It's wonderful. And yes, Johnny, uh, where can they get more about this? Yeah, uh, they can. They can go to my website, studentsofjesus.com, and there's a search bar down and to the right, and just type in Kingdom of God. Uh, there's there's got to be forty or fifty articles about it. That's awesome. And yet, and yes, I'm the guy shilling uh, a book uh, about five years ago. Uh, I wrote a book called The Impossible Mentor: Finding Courage to Follow Jesus, and it's about the connection. Uh, between the kingdom of God and discipleship. I love it. I love it, Ray. And you're not just shilling a book. You're giving something away to our listeners today. Is that right? Christmas time is not only really cool and really fun, and uh, and it's and it's not only like really religious, but what a great chance to study scripture. Just read the Christmas stories, but then say, what does the scripture have to teach me to life about life through the lives of Joseph and Mary? And, and the birth of Jesus and shepherds and wise men. Uh, yeah. There's actually life lessons in all of that. And so uh, there's a little devotional that uh, can be downloaded for free at 200churches.com. 
uh, that's just called uh, 25 Days of Christmas. That can be found at 200churches.com slash Ray. Slash Ray. You're the one and only Ray for us. Any it, other Rays well, get a different slash. And Ray, we've never, we've never put anything... I don't think in 200 episodes we've never put anything on our website for somebody else for people to download no. for free. No, we have not. So 200churches.com slash Ray, the 25 days. Yeah. Is it the 25 days of Christmas or the 25 days of Advent? 25 days of Christmas. Of Christmas. Okay. He's not a high churchy church guy. Yeah, well, I looked through those, and uh, you, know, you, you started out, I think, with Mary, uh, mm-hmm. and then you went to Joseph, and then I think it was the shepherds. And and you had the same way that that question of yours earlier, you know, what would it look like if heaven came down while you were sleeping? Those kind, mm-hmm. you've got those kinds of questions on some of those pages. I, love I saw it. them. I love it. And I would encourage people to go there and download that. And hey, use it as a devotional. Yeah. Or if you're a pastor, use it in where you have opportunity to share with others, uh, or even as a basis for some kind of a Bible study or a series that you're going to preach uh, in December. That that would be good too. Yeah. Ray, yeah, a, a parting shot for our listeners. We can explore the kingdom of God both now and forevermore. Uh, The kingdom of God is breaking into our lives, but whatever we don't get right here, uh, we'll have an eternity to discover. But why wait until eternity when we can begin to discover it right now? Yeah, cool. Ray, thank you so much for taking the time today to help us encourage pastors of small churches. Well, Jeff and Johnny, you guys are serving the church at large, and uh, I'm, I'm just a huge cheerleader, and, uh, and I'm your brand new BFF. I tell everybody about your podcast. <laughs> well, thanks, Ray. We appreciate it, and, uh, and we'll have you back some other time cool. here on the podcast. Thanks, Ray. See ya. There's an old saying, Johnny, that the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Right, everyone yeah. who comes to Jesus, they're they're all sinners. They're all the same. No one's better than anybody else. What I love about our podcast is that uh, we can we can put. Now, this sounds terrible to Ray. Ray, you know I don't mean it this way. I know what you're about to say. It put, does sound terrible. We we don't need to have somebody <laughs> with the esteemed status of an NT right to make a powerful impact in the lives. Of small church pastors, I said it real well, didn't you I? You did say it really well, and that's what I meant. That's yes. what I meant. Yeah, we don't have to be, I and mean, that's the whole lesson of what we do for small church pastors. You don't have to have a church of five thousand or ten thousand yeah. to make an impact in this world. Exactly, exactly right. Our two hundred church is making a huge impact in your church, no matter what the size is five, twenty, two hundred, fifty. It can make a huge impact. Absolutely. And Ray, today, I'll tell you what, Ray made an impact on our lives. Yes, he did. We talked to Ray a little bit for a little bit after the recording, and he, I mean, he ministered to us, okay? He encouraged us, and uh, Ray is the kind of a guy, you don't have to be an NT right. You can be... Ray Hollenbach, and I would encourage all of you to be to be like Ray. Be like Ray. Be somebody who's willing yeah. to give your time yes. and your experience and your heart to encourage others. Yeah, and it was. It was encouraging, and we'll have Ray back. He just has a sweet voice. We like Ray. you know Ray. what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I can listen to Ray. We're going to get buttons, and There's the buttons are going to say, we like Ray. We like Ray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. We do like Ray. So, and, so, hey, and get the book. Yeah, the free book. Get the book. At... 200churches.com slash Ray. That's R-A-Y. 
the normal way to spell Ray. Exactly. I was so tempted earlier to do exactly what you did, did you? <laughs> to spell it. Because you don't know. Even the most common things right, you know, right, in these right. uh, URLs are often crazy. That's funny. This is the first thing, Johnny. I, I don't remember ever creating another page. I mean, we're real high tech here, right? So high tech. We created another web page, and, and, and it's not going to show up. you got to put it in. you got to put it in. you yeah. got to type it in, and uh, just pull that, pull that down. Print it out, yeah, and use that for your morning devotions. Do it, and and just do it. If you're old like me and you take pills every morning, put it where your pills are, and before you take your pills, read the one for that day. He says it's a devotional for crazy busy people. Is that what he said? Yeah, I've looked at it. It's it's cool. It's good. Ray's got a colorfully insightful mind. Yeah, he does. He takes the. The things that are, have become common to us because as pastors, we're around the scriptures all the time. Sure. And somehow he helps us to look at it in a, just a different way that brings it alive to yeah. those of us who are around the scriptures all the time. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So get your copy of that Christmas devotional and uh, and take this, this podcast to heart about the kingdom of God. Um, and if this was challenging to you, if maybe this pushed against your theology a little bit, we would encourage you reach out to us. And, uh, and maybe we can help point you in some other directions. Go listen to Theology on Mission podcast where David Fitch and Jeff Holzclaw talk about uh, the theology of the kingdom of God. And, uh, and you'll, yeah, you can learn a lot. So that's what we have for you today. And we know that it's been encouraging. Thanks so much for listening to the 200 Churches podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church. How do you think that went? I thought it went awesome, and I'm trying to think of the name, a title for this episode. Mm. The Kingdom of God and Small Church Pastors. I have such incisive titles, don't I? I'm telling you, you just cut right to the quick. You separated bone from marrow, spirit from soul. It was amazing. Yeah, I know. Sinew from whatever. How about... Well, Ray, um, the Lord has used you to encourage us. Thanks, Ray. We appreciate it. Um, You guys, you're the best. I'll be your evangelists, okay? All right. Thanks, man. Thank you, Ray. All right. Take care.